Makers and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. Hi, I'm Stephen. I'm Celine's dad. I was raised in a high control group or cult. These days, I'm a leadership and management trainer and coach, also trained as an organisation psychologist, which is why I'm so interested in this topic. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Here we go. So, should we just... Your topic this week. I couldn't think of one. And literally, we are cutting it fine. Um, So normally, we give ourselves a few days to think about it, record it, and then edit it. But it's now Friday morning. There was a time when it was weeks before, you know, (laughs) batch recorded. Now Friday morning. I release it tomorrow. um, And we just thought of a topic this morning, and it's your... I yeah, so well, I, I actually, I, so I thought about it a while ago and then I forgot to text you about it because um, normally that this is how we remind ourselves what, what we want to talk about. Um, but I was watching a documentary um, called like, How to Live to 100 mm. on Netflix. Um, it was actually quite interesting. I think it was in three or four parts. So um, it is this guy, he goes, so he go, he's very interested in, health and vitality effectively he's quite um you know he's he's won some sort of like cycling competitions or guinness world records and things like that so he's like um you know cycling around the world and things like that Mm. and um yeah just interested in living long but quality life not just you know um the way you probably imagine an old person Mm. in a bed he's Mm. really interested in these really fit amazingly healthy people um and and so that's kind of the osmosis of this documentary where then he osmosis is the wrong word that's there's something else entirely yeah. that's the um, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that i was trying to work out how the word osmosis fit into that sentence it doesn't <laughs> surprise <laughs> um it's the um sort of like the nugget the beginning mm, of this kernel of this, that's the one it's the kernel of this documentary so what he um finds out about is uh, blue zones so blue zones are places where people um, live for much longer much better quality of life so less disease um, and you know healthy longer lived people than the, the rest of the world generally so um, basically places where there are the most 100 year olds um, mm. um, so this was where he would be going to visit and seeing what are they doing to have such high percentage of well-lived people? <laughs> mm. um, and he's basically trying to find, I guess, the recipe for how we should all be living to live longer um, and healthier. And it was very interesting. Uh, but one thing that he picked up on um, and that was prevalent within all of the groups to varying degrees mm. was um, faith or a religion um in in some sort um and he seems to think that that's contributing to these long-lived people like why are they living so healthy and long and he thinks that faith is a contributing factor bear in mind he's there's lots and lots within the circle of why he thinks these people live Mm. like their diet one of the factors he's saying one of many so you know watch Mm. the documentary if you want to see all of it but obviously for our interest Mm. i i thought to myself I guess it. Um, I'll, I'll point out my immediate bias was it puts my back up slightly, given what mm. we do and what we talk about quite a lot. Um, yeah, I don't want. I don't want to feel as though to live a very good quality, long lived life. I need to have a faith because I don't think that's true. But mm. I do accept that there are benefits to having a faith and I wondered if we'd be able to talk about what those benefits are and how you could strip those out of a religion so can you take what's good about religion out of religion (laughs) yeah do you have to have a god to do or you know a spirituality I suppose to be able to take the goodness out of that and then live it so there you go I've talked for ages yeah you'll go (laughs) okay yeah yeah um so I suppose the first thing I would um, obviously I, I haven't seen the, the show, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a good thing really because that, that gives me um, I can interrogate you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose the first thing I would I would ask is I think it's important to remember, and this is this is true for any 
documentary um, or popular presentation of, of something mm-hmm. is that there's a difference between a documentary about something or some reporting about something and proper research. Yeah. So uh, often these documentaries might quote research, they might use research to make their point, but of course they're going to cherry pick that research to help with the narrative that they're they're stringing through the show. And obviously as a as somebody mm-hmm. that makes films or has made films in the past, Celine, you know about that. So there needs to be a yeah. narrative arc. Even in a documentary, there's and a narrative arc. He's just, he was just doing a pattern-seeking exercise, and then he's yeah. feeding that back um, yeah. in this part of the doc. So it's not it's not proof, but it is interesting. And mm-hmm. um, it's not, of course, it's not the first time that um, that's been presented. It's interesting, when I was doing some research into spiritual abuse I was looking at um so I've been applying for PhDs last year and one of the uh, the PhDs was was a funded piece of research to do with spiritual abuse and a lot of the papers that um cover spiritual abuse seem to start with the same sort of sentence which is it has been shown that Mm. spiritual belief can be beneficial to mental health and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I'm always kind of skeptical about that line. There's always a quote to some paper, but often these papers are kind of quite old. And mm-hmm. yeah, you'd, I'd like to, first of all, so I suppose what I'm saying is uh, there's a few gates that I would need to go through in order to accept the premise of some of the, the things that you said already. Yeah. Um, so there's a skeptical lens that I would look through all of that before we get on to the question of, you know, is there anything good in religion that we can take from it mm-hmm. um, and say, well, you know, you could get the benefits without the belief system. Uh, we should say, obviously, some some of our listeners will have beliefs in uh, God and be religious. And that's absolutely, you know, of course, you have an absolute right to that. And we're not here to belittle you or um you know to criticize you for that i'm an agnostic atheist i suppose i describe myself as um i'm not an aggressive atheist but i don't believe in god Mm -hmm. um and i don't actually think it's possible to be able to demonstrate it in a scientifically provable way um doesn't mean that we know everything but i don't feel that the truth is held in religious conviction that's my that's Mm -hmm. my assessment of that um i think you're similar. We're just putting yeah. our cards on the table here so yeah, people understand, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, I just, I've never felt any desire or comfort from mm. the idea of a God or, a, I guess, just a spirituality kind of yeah. thing. It's never, it is never done anything for me. And it's not something I've never, you know, um, a lot of people that have been guests have described themselves or family members as seekers. I've never mm. felt that seeking need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's where we that's where we are. But it doesn't mean that um, we're right. You know, it could be that that we're wrong about that. That there is a God, and um, you know that, that is possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. Um, however, so that that out the way, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I think we have to ask a question about is um correlation versus causation yeah. and a lot of these um these conclusions that are that, that people come to around these sorts of clusters are that you know you look at correlations you look at what are the the factors that seem to be common in these communities um and then there is an assumption made that there must be some causal link to living a long time um and i think we've just got to be careful of that because it doesn't necessarily mean it is so i did a little bit of just before we we came on on the podcast i did a, a little bit of looking through google scholar and there, there are there's quite a few bits of research around this and what they seem to what they seem to be saying is that you've got to be careful that it actually is more likely to be the personality traits, the individual differences, which we've spoken about many times on this podcast, just for people 
who haven't listened to those, um, the core five personality traits that psychologists have identified are easy way to remember it is ocean, openness, um, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And these five different traits are, you know, you can think about them on, on five different scales and then we measure those and that, that to some degree describes our personality traits. And the one that comes out quite a lot in these uh, studies is agreeableness, but there's also a correlation between agreeableness and social being very social or sociable. Um, and of course the religious aspect keys into that. So it could be that actually one that is the opposite way around. So it's not the religion that is making you live longer. It's you being agreeable as in your nature, you are an agreeable person, very social person. And that leads you to have people around you that care about you and makes you happier and so on and so on. And that leads to a longer life. It also means you are more likely to be religious Mm. because you are agreeable and you like people and you like to associate with people and you get a lot of that at the church. But actually the church has got nothing to do with the longevity. It's the agreeableness Mm. and the agreeableness is causing both the long life and the religious um, affiliation. So I'm not saying that's proven, but you just have to be really careful when you make assumptions about clusters and um, characteristics that seem to be common in them all you're not sure correlations and causation plus you're not sure which direction they're going in so that's Mm -hmm. just an off the top of my head thought Um, and then we'd need to prove the link the other the other factor that I thought about when you were talking about this you you then have to prove the link between psychological happiness and long life Mm -hmm. and that is often assumed that people who are happier live longer lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you'd need to be able to demonstrate that through research. And that's very, very difficult because yeah, well, you're defining happiness miserable. is really hard. Yeah, and you, well, it's hard to define happiness. Right, okay. How do you define happiness? It's How different. can I... Yeah, so long life is easy to measure or the yeah. length of life is easy to measure. That's a, that's a real like tangible, measurable quality. Things, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But happiness is is very difficult to measure because it isn't tangible like that. No, so that's where you get into trouble. Difference again, isn't it? So you know, mm. yeah. Well, it's it's your inner feeling to start with. So there's a whole few of layers. There's a whole bunch of layers between the individual and being able to report on that. If you mm-hmm. see what I mean. So there's the way you feel in the first place. There's that inner experience that nobody really understands anybody else's inner experience. Mm-hmm. There's then your own um, assessment of that experience. There's when you're reporting on that, how you're feeling at the time, because mm-hmm. of course it's a snapshot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, then the way you've described it, either through prose, your own words, um, and your ability to to accurately report on your inner state, or if you're doing it through a questionnaire, it's the ability of somebody who's written that questionnaire to be able to reflect on those multiple choice questions the way you really feel, and for you to be able to choose the one that most closely relates to the this inner experience which it turns out is actually really hard (laughs) yeah (laughs) which you'd think it it should be really easy but just to know how you feel but it's really not (laughs) no it's not that's not to say that there's no value in any of that stuff but it's one of the the things that when I was doing the masters um I got quite frustrated about because a lot of the work in organizational psychology is done through questionnaires and surveys. Yeah, self-reporting. Yeah. Um, and, how else do you get And then a lot of maths is done on it, but, it, you know, it, yeah. so it feels robust. It feels like, oh, you've applied this this mm. statistical rule and you've done that, and all that work is done, but the bit up front, the bit where you're getting the data, I think, is the, is the weak mm. point. So until we can 
scan the brain and see if it's a happy brain or not um we're gonna struggle that's a great <laughs> point isn't it can we are we ever going to get to a point where we can see a happy shaped brain or yeah. you know the the, the cross sections of those okay. scan the brains yeah that's that's that uh, to a degree we should be able to because there are centers mm-hmm. of pleasure and so on but then yeah. pleasure is pleasure the same as happiness not, yeah. not necessarily contentedness is very difficult as well because yeah. what mm. is content what is content yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so so it is difficult basically, so basically um it's just pointless um this conversation <laughs> let's um, <laughs> let's stop the podcast now no yeah okay no so all you've got I think all you have to you have to go on then is is at the end of the day people's um explanations and stories and you're back to something that is not yeah. very scientific yeah. which is really yeah. interesting. So that and that's basically it with this yeah. with this um yeah with this documentary it's different kinds of religion so you know it goes to somewhere in Japan where it's more kind of um so it's that sort of buddhism tradition more spirituality not necessarily going to a particular place of worship at a particular time it's it's different from western religion isn't it um Mm. and the way that we organize ourselves (laughs) into church groups and so on so that's one kind of different way that i suppose a lot of our listeners is different to what we talk about generally um then you've got the more traditional thing with the um is it Anabaptists? Yeah, Anabaptists. Yeah. yeah, I always mm-hmm. feel like I'm saying it wrong. So that was a group that was in the Netflix show, was it? Yeah. So they also live for a really long time, um, and especially comparatively, because they're in this group's in the states. So compared to the mm. states as well, mm. they're actually living a lot longer. Um, you've also, which is a lot more of a organised religious group, um, you know, with church groups and they have um lots of community aspect to it then you've got um some of these are sort of older groups so it's um like there's greek places and there's um a place around like one of the sort of italian small um it's Sardinia. yeah something like one of those small little island mm. groups and um they all both live a long time as well they have aspects of religion but I suppose not in the same degree to the Anabaptists where it's as um, organised. It's, you know, Mm. they probably amble up the hill to church every Sunday. Um, Mm. And and the documentary guy, the presenter, he does rightfully say, you know, she goes to church. um, I mean, one of the ladies makes sure she goes to church every day, but she's going up this massive hill every day. He's like, that's probably doing amazing things for her health because she goes up this massive hill every day to go see her god you know in fact you know go to the place of worship and then she comes all the way back down again and she makes some gnocchi or whatever you know so mm. he's, he does point out that it's not inherently maybe that relationship with god but what it drives her to do is go up this massive hill that she yeah. might not otherwise do so it's kind of interesting because it's com- complicated in that way so he's i suppose the way the reason he thinks it's beneficial is it having something to believe in i suppose is the way he describes it, but the word he uses is faith. So that's why I was like, my little spidey senses. Were well, going. it's not all right. So um, let's let's separate these out. So yeah. as you're talking now, I'm thinking about different types of benefit. So mm-hmm. um, I think you've got. So first of all, you probably you may have. So let's let's for a minute um, suspend our um, skepticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there there isn't a link. Let's say there is a link mm-hmm. um, between some sort of religious affiliation and living longer lives let's mm-hmm. let's let's say that i'm not i'm not saying there is but i'm just gonna yeah, um, to have this conversation. we've got a, we've got to start yeah. from here <laughs> got to yeah let's do that all right so then you might say there might be um, different categories of benefits so one benefit might be direct physical benefits so most religions or many religions um have certain dietary requirements or restrictions and also uh, a restriction on things like alcohol and drugs um which are generally considered to be quite bad for us um so a clean living i suppose you could describe it as mm-hmm. might 
might actually have some health benefits. Yeah, and the Baptists so, encourage a vegetarian yeah. lifestyle. So yeah, so and we we know pretty well. I think I'm no dietitian, but from what I've read, is that um, lower calorie um, eating, less essentially being less than I suppose weighing less than mm-hmm. um, many of us in the Western world <laughs> weigh has a benefit so yeah we and an austere lifestyle generally includes not eating too much so you know there's rules against gluttony in the bible um different religions have different approaches to alcohol but often it's either moderation or not at all um certainly drugs are generally um looked down upon in religious groups not always of course some religions use drugs as a Mm -hmm. But even then, they're quite disciplined in their use. They're not mm. recreational so much as um, they're controlled in, in terms of their um, communities. So it could be it could be that there's a, a real... So that's category one, I would say, a direct physical benefit in that the rules of the religion mean that you are doing things that make you live longer, and that's because of the religion itself. So that would be that would be category one, I would mm. say. Mm-hmm. Um Category two could be indirect benefits, like the woman um, walking up that hill every day to go mm-hmm. to church. It's not that there's a rule in the Bible that says you must walk up a up one a in hill. five hill mm-hmm. <laughs> every day. But mm-hmm. in the, the course of her religious devotion, she's doing things incidentally that mean that she's leading a, a healthier life. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is another category. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a third category is the psychological one. So it fulfills some psychological need which makes you happier and more contented mm. and that then leads to a longer life. So again yeah. we'll have to assume we'll have to um we'll have to agree that there is that link um, between yeah. happiness and longevity. We'll, we'll we'll get onto that one and go into it. We'll pull it around yeah. a little bit. Yeah. What do you think about those categories? Do they make sense? No, I think they, those are good because I think, yeah, so our first one, the direct link, I think, yeah, makes sense. So I think um, we do know that, a, that there's lots of studies that say basically a, a plant-based bean-heavy diet um, <laughs> is much better for you, um, yay yeah. for beans, than, you know, um, <laughs> a red meat-based sort of, you know, yeah. dependent protein diet. Um, so come on everyone on the bean train you don't need really means <laughs> um but um yeah the a lot of these religious groups mm. encourage um that especially like I said the baptists encourage a um a uh, plant-based diet and anabaptists yeah yes the anabaptists um so so that is like you said that direct link mm. um and then stuff like the the community stuff that's incidental. You'd say that's that part two as well. So walking up the hill is incidental to get to church. Would you say community is incidental? Would you say that slots more into part one? Well, I think it depends. No, I would say um, that's. So you're talking more about a psychological. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, see, it's a, a com- hard. Yeah, a community <laughs> might. So first of all, it might protect you. So physically mm. protect you. So in that sense, going to a community being part of a community means that you're looking out for each other mm. which means that you know if um i don't know if Gennaro hasn't hasn't been to church <laughs> this morning then you know people say where's Gennaro you know mm-hmm. and so somebody goes and has a, a, a knocks on his door and and checks on him now that just simple thing you know we know from our societies that when communities don't do any of that stuff then we hear tragedies of people dying in their houses and yeah. nobody yeah. knowing about it um, um and yeah you know just looking after each other it's got to have a physical benefit i would say that's an indirect um physical benefit um and you know going back long enough i suspect that religions are born out of the need to you know have tribes and groups to protect ourselves from another tribe or from wild animals or you know looking after each other against the elements so mm-hmm. yeah i think these the, the, for me that would be it doesn't matter which category but that would be i think an indirect um, yeah. benefit of 
of it. Um, but there's another side of being in a community, and that's the psychological bit, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which I think we should get to perhaps. Yeah. So I suppose in terms of this, because I was thinking about the psychological, so I suppose there's the mm-hmm. independent psychological, so this idea of it bringing you know, a desire to believe. Let's assume that everyone benefits from a from a belief here. So there's that, but there's also, I guess, yeah, the wider um, benefit of having a group and a community. Yeah. So when when you say um, that that the hypothesis is that mm. people benefit from having a faith, that's mm-hmm. not good enough. You know, that's that's yeah. that's only the beginning. So you'd have to say, right, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Uh, what is what is that mechanism? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because just believing in something isn't in itself going to make you live longer. In, you know, yeah. I could really believe that, you know, I don't know, Doctor Who is real. Um, <laughs> I could really believe that. And that's not going to make me live longer. So just having a belief doesn't. Yeah. It's what that belief potentially does mm. um, either to your physical activity or your yeah. mental state. So just yeah. belief in itself is not, I can't, I cannot, I cannot believe, <laughs> I cannot <laughs> accept that just having a belief is the thing. It must be that it's creating some other benefit um, that is the thing. You to do it things. could be happiness. It could yeah. be um, l- lower anxiety levels. Yeah. So it could be some of those things, but just the belief bit isn't good, isn't enough. Yeah. It has to be causing something else. Yeah. So I suppose, like, I suppose if you believe that what I suppose I, I can understand for me it's something I've never experienced I can understand that if you if you're if you're having bad times you're going through difficult times but if you believe in a god I suppose it gives you a belief that things will be okay again hopefully I guess I don't know but the thing is yeah it's a double-edged you know, sword yeah Taking a yeah. using a Bible metaphor, um, so yeah. so my problem with with the belief as um, as the catalyst uh-huh. as the benefit is that um, it depends what you believe, doesn't it? So yeah, because I can get my head around the first two because of course it's getting this woman up and about walking, or it's yeah, getting into right. communities, you know, provides you know we know that social interaction is good for people. Um, these are all quite obvious logical steps, but I suppose just belief itself is the one that's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it really does depend on what that belief is. So if you believe that God is loving mm-hmm. and that He is, um, you know, you know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven mm-hmm. and you're going to see your your dead husband or wife or loved ones um and you're absolutely convinced about that but you're not worried about hell you're not worried about god not loving you or of him rejecting you then i think that belief could have a positive effect on your happiness and your it would lower your anxiety because you you have no no doubt that Mm -hmm. because god is loving he's going to be there for you and he's going to help you in this life, but he's also going to help you in the next life. So that's all positive stuff. Mm. But if you believe that God is the sort of God that you get in the Old Testament, let's say mm. this um, this God that is drown you if you wrathful, yeah, and <laughs> jealous, and um, all these lovely qualities, then I think that I'm now. This is where I will speak for myself. You know, I was incredibly anxious. Mm. Um, because I had those beliefs, the yeah. belief that God was going to destroy everybody at Armageddon, but also that, you know, that he could read my mind and know mm-hmm. if I was thinking bad thoughts or if I was saying something that um, wasn't being a good witness, um, all of those things. And it could affect other people. So, you know, my behavior could affect other people's beliefs as well. Mm-hmm. And that was so I found a belief in God incredibly um anxiety inducing Mm. um so that's why i say belief in itself is not enough it has to be a belief that is um is a positive belief and that Mm. even if we uh, again i'm i'm just giving you the Mm -hmm. the hypothesis that happiness equals long life which i don't think it's quite as easy as that as simple Mm -hmm. as that but if we do say that then happiness contentment 
low anxiety, if it's related to belief at all, it's it's got to be beliefs that are ones that generate those sorts of feelings. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of religions don't. Bring in the fire and brimstone. <laughs> yeah, and certainly when we get to cults, because we haven't mentioned the C word yeah. today, other than the beginning, mm. um, when you get to cults, I think this is one of the things that makes cults so damaging, is that they they use the negative, they wield that negative consequences mm-hmm. quite heavily. Yeah. And it's that bit, I think, that makes people unhappy mm-hmm. because they are anxious about pleasing the guru, the gods, mm-hmm. the leader, whatever. And that that has a very damaging psychological impact on yeah. us. And then any benefits that might be there in a close community with protection and people around you and so on, and so on they're lost because mm-hmm. you are in this anxious state. Yeah. I suppose as we have laid our cards on the table, I think it's quite clear that we don't necessarily think a belief for the belief's sake is, you know, going to do massive things for you or make you live to a hundred. But obviously, like we said, we can understand how you would get benefits from incidental or direct things, Mm. you know, because um, that that's quite easy to understand. Um, So if we, We'll pick up again on um, the emotional side, I suppose, afterwards. But from the from the actual positive benefits, or let's say you know you're in a group that just does nice things, <laughs> um, you know, none of the fire and brimstone. But you mm. don't want to be religious because I think there's a lot of people that listen to this. Um, I think you know ourselves included that we don't we don't want to find the good one to. you know a good religion to be happy Mm. or to have a long life or a good life um you know can can we can we uh scrape these things out of it and and use them do we already do that you know um Mm. as people go well without religion you know we'll we'll you know people you know they like to talk about these benefits and say we'll lose them will we lose them can we take them (laughs) yeah so um uh, as i think uh, listeners might know I'm a paid-up member of the Humanist UK mm-hmm. uh, Society. Um, I have done some work for them um, in schools where I, I I've actually stopped doing it now because I've just I've I've had too much to do. The brim, uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to reduce my anxiety levels by reducing everything that I'm having to do. But anyway, um, but I did I did enjoy doing that where you go to schools and you talk about humanism, what it is, and. Um, the, uh, the the beliefs, I suppose, of many humanists can't speak for all humanists because obviously that's the beauty of it is that there isn't a central mm-hmm. kind of there's no humanist pope. Um, mm-hmm. But the I think yes, as a humanist, I would I would absolutely say that you don't need a belief in God to be happy. Some of the things that um, religion might give you, absolutely, we can do. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't do them well enough. Maybe we need to improve as a society to do these things better. So, yeah, there's actually a philosopher called Alain de Baton who is, I mean, it describes him here as, a, as an author, but he's hes uh, hes kind of a, of a philosopher. And he's, again, a, he's a secularist, I suppose. But he he's done a really interesting TED Talk that I think you can probably still find online where he talks about the need for secularists to and humanists really to adopt some of the things that churches get right mm-hmm. like getting together having a sing song you know mm-hmm. um and that's that's one of the things you know people like richard dawkins who of course famous atheist um he loves church music and he finds it absolutely beautiful and he seeks out opportunities to listen to that so choirs um um, getting together, mm-hmm. having charity events, um, those sorts of things. I mean, obviously, for a certain age, uh, there's differences in age, and younger people are not necessarily going to want to get involved in choir singing. Although they might, of course, we yeah. can't um, can't they discriminate. Used to, didn't they? <laughs> they used to. That's right. And there's so there's something about that, and maybe maybe that's where we we need to work a bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, to find ways to do some of those social things that church made us do. 
or that gave us a, a reason to do. And we don't do so much. Um, we do get some of those things through like going to a sporting event, for instance. So mm-hmm. football supporters will sing and there'll be a camaraderie around that. Um, going to a rock concert, that's a very communal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even going to a pub when there's a piano in the pub or something, you know, and suddenly everybody's singing. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, there might be a bit of alcohol involved in that, of course, but um, but it's there's a there's a definitely a communal element to that, and that's something that church does possibly provide for you. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to have the the, the belief system yeah. around that to do some of those things. So yeah, I think we could we could do more of that. Thank you for listening to Cult Hackers, an indie podcast. That means we're not part of a big media organisation with huge advertising budgets and massive reach. So just by listening to this, you're supporting the little guy. The hardest thing for us is not content. We love recording episodes and talking to amazing and interesting people. Now, by far the hardest thing is getting in front of the potential millions of listeners out there with millions of podcasts scrambling for attention. And here's where you can help simply by telling people about the podcast. Just telling somebody about it can really help. You can share an episode on social media or private messaging using your app, or on some apps you can leave a rating, and better still, say a few words. So please help us get cult hackers in front of more people. And now, back to the podcast. I suppose when, you know, you've been part of a group so you can talk to this, but... um... I suppose the thing for me is not really having been part of the group. We left when I was four. So, <laughs> um, mm, yeah, you know, so I find it difficult, I suppose, to put myself into a group. So, for instance, mm. like I moved to somewhere that I'm not from, you know, it's not exactly like miles away or anything, but um, mm. it's difficult to just be like, I'm going to be part of a new community now. How do I yeah. begin to just become part of a community so obviously mm. if you're religious and you have a particular church group you can just go to the, the yeah. church of your group in that area so you know if you yeah. were a jehovah's witness and you moved from peterborough to wherever you would just immediately be dropped into a new community and you'd be folded in <laughs> um, yeah and, and not to say that you know you always want that but that is for me i'm just like how do i even begin to be like okay i'm gonna put roots down here and become um Mm. part of a community i mean i guess this comes back to when we were talking about friendship in the patreon takeover Mm. episode it's like how do you it's not built in how how do you begin because um or even when there is things it feels awkward or weird it feels weird it's not something i'm used to um yeah so because like there's there's a little orchard around here and there's a gardening group that go, meets every mm. two weeks and I'm like that sounds nice and I've just never grown the courage to go and engage <laughs> with it because I'm like oh it might be a bit awkward. but I think I think you've hit upon the answer though I think it is things like that um that it, it's community uh groups it's um I mean charities are a really good one and it's a really important one i think um, they highlight that as what, being a benefit in the doc as well yeah. yeah helping other people is one of the most pleasurable things you can do it gives you that um that kind of hit the happy it gives hormones. you that that yeah it gives you that hit of serotonin and it's um it's great you know you really feel like you've achieved something even though it might be a small thing mm-hmm. so yeah i think um i think that i mean some people get involved in local politics and yeah. that's a way to uh to find your your tribe if you like your clan mm-hmm. um but yeah just i think that is but it is a very good point and it is one of the the reasons i think why religions and, and these sorts of groups have continued because yeah. I, yeah, um, I do know somebody that they've said their mum started going to religion to a religious sort mm. of organization joined up again um and she's very into it but also he's like but she was quite lonely and she's got friends yeah. now and they're a bit weird but at least she's got someone to see and something to do um yeah so it's, it's interesting yeah so i think i think there are some there are some benefits uh to that so yeah l- local 
local groups of various different kinds. I mean, these things take effort, though. So that I suppose yeah. that's the thing. It's not always, you know, you don't it's always want to circumstantial be bothered, You just you end know. up there. You do have to, like, that's right. engage. Yeah, put, and put I really hate being newer thing. I hate it so much. I'd rather just no one mention it and I just slowly become part of this new yeah. thing. Whereas it's a whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> I think the, the other thing um, that's worth mentioning, so we, we we haven't had anybody on but yet, but I want to get somebody on from Faith to Faithless mm. um, in the UK. Particularly, they've uh, started a helpline for people who leave yeah. their groups. Um, so that's something that is really important. But also they have, and I think these are, there's groups like this around the world. There's... Um, I spoke to Sherry D'Souza from Recovering from Religion. That's an international organization. And they do these groups where you can just join um, online. It's all online. It's all kind of through Zoom or whatever. And you, you chat to people who've had similar experiences. So, uh, again, we're getting back to support of recovering from mm-hmm. a group. Um, but it, it is a nice way to just yeah. to sort of hang out. And it's something I've done. I think I think part of why I joined the Humanist, Humanist Society was – Again, for the same thing, just just to find a little group and mm-hmm. uh, you know sort of find some some group to community to to get affiliated in. But mm-hmm. and then if you don't need it anymore, that's that's also fine too. Which is the nice thing about these groups, you don't have to keep going. Whereas church mm-hmm. can start to become um, a bit of a bind. You know, you like get told off if you don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be a downside. But yeah, so community, yes, and that has physical benefits it also has some psychological benefits because we know that one thing we do know about human psychology is that we do need other people we do need each other and so if we deny ourselves that entirely um then yeah we we, we suffer uh, because of that well then i have to go to the gardening group <laughs> you'll have to go to the gardening group no i think you, but again only if you want to. So that's yeah. the other thing I think. I, I don't know what know, these yeah, trying um, to force yourselves into doing. Yeah, like, this these societies how to live well. <laughs> exactly. One hundred and one. Yeah. You don't want to be a wellness Nazi, dear. And I, I, this is what worries me a bit about some of these things. Like you know, it's uh, you must eat this sort of foods, and you must yeah. do this, and you must do that. Um, Let's just do our and, best. Uh, <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah, I think that re- reducing anxiety is generally a good thing. Mm-hmm. um so let's let's not then become anxious about being well and it, again there's a lot of these wellness gurus that i think actually prey upon people's mm-hmm. um desire to to, to yeah. be happy and well and um, and actually it makes them mm-hmm. anxious and well i will um add to this so mm. you know we've had the discussion so i feel like i can add this on without ruining the discussion now so the um, one thing that he did do is he goes back to the States and he starts to um, try and implement it in some of the towns, like implement okay. some of yeah. the things that he's learned. But he doesn't mention religion because I think trying mm. to implement a government level religion is rogue. So he doesn't mention that. And mm. I don't think that that's part of it. They implement basically giving everybody buddies to go walking with <laughs> so they go on these little walks yeah yeah like you have to agree to join this you don't just mm. like there's not a strange man that comes to your door and says maureen is your walking buddy learn to like her um but no you know um people that want to be involved they, they yeah you get like randomly put with a few people and you go for walks um to kind of emulate community um that mm. these people have um and and to bring in more exercise to they they change how the supermarkets are so there's more fresh produce more plant-based produce um and things like that and they they do a few things um they make the streets more walkable so you know you're not needing a car everywhere so they just do a few very hmm. standard things um helping basically helping people get their bmis down um all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Exercising more seeing people, community events and such. Um, and yeah, the, so they, they, they do some tests to see what your kind of biological health is before that. They do it after yeah. that. And they're like mm-hmm. estimating that people are biologically more healthy. Um, and they don't mention the religion bit, but yeah. 
that's kind of all the stuff we've talked about that would incidentally be happening because of mm. you know mm. so having friends <laughs> going on walks. what what was the effect did it have a benefit yeah so th- they said on that those metrics yeah so they um i think it was something like they'd expect people to live on average like two and a half more years than they'd originally estimated if mm. they continued living their lives as they were living they'd live to x age after they've done this for i think a year they'd estimate they'd live for a couple more years if they continued right. it um Interesting. And, and there's no reason for that to cease um i think it's something like the blue zone project or something um right okay. i think they did it in the 80s and they continued to do bits um in different towns as well so it's kind of a bit it's less it's still a bit of an experiment really isn't it you know it's mm. a bit of a, mm. a bit of a test because um you know the idea of being able to do that across an entire nation as big as the states is huge right there was a few women that were interviewed for the news at the time and they've used the clip in the documentary and you know they said you know would you two have been friends and they're like no not really but we really get on Mm. we really like Mm. going for our walks and we keep going for our little walks and you know they're really yeah glad for it so it was it was quite it was quite good really it was quite it was interesting and yeah there was no mention of yeah we all go to church now do you know what i mean no one was saying that um so that was interesting. So um, can I just throw in a bit of individual psychology while we're, yeah. while we're talking about the psychology of it? Um, so I, I thought, when, again, when I was thinking about this, the my favourite model, the self-determination theory, Desi mm-hmm. and Ryan, I think relates to this. We've, we've talked about this on numerous episodes, but uh, we talked about it as the ABC, I think. Yeah, but it's always relevant. It is, but technically it's... Um, autonomy so that's the a sense of autonomy um relatedness is the second one but we call it belongingness um to make give it a b and then feelings of competence is the c so if we think about those three autonomy competence and relatedness if you think about what um going to a church gives you mm-hmm. um and it also can differentiate between let's call it a bad church or a good church or a bad religion and a good religion mm-hmm. from a psychological perspective, nothing to do with the beliefs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not talking about truth claims here, but we're saying that a religion that gives you a sense of autonomy, a sense of relatedness and a sense of competence is likely to mean that your psychological needs are met. Now there's lots of religions that don't do that, but there are some that do. And I, th- I would suggest that a, quite an interesting study might be, you know, if you look at these different religious groups, um, I wonder if the ones that produce more of those three elements are the ones that actually make people happier. You know, so lots of religions. So autonomy, th- this is the, the, the feeling that you can, you have agency, you can, you can make decisions for yourself you don't need other people to make decisions for you. Um, this doesn't mean you're on your own, so it's not isolating yourself, but it's your own agency, your ability to make decisions for yourself. And a lot of a lot of religions stifle that, I think, which is why people don't like them and they're unhappy. Cults stifle that. Certainly when you're in them, when you're being attracted to them, you're attracted by, oh, I can make a decision to change the rest of yeah. my life. But very quickly when you get in it, you're that's stifled. That's so that is a yeah. toxic, a toxic religious environment. Um, most religions have this community, this relatedness. You might even feel that you're related, you have a relationship with something higher, mm-hmm. you know, God or some some other way of describing something more profound so that can have a powerful effect on our psychological need and that's maybe something we should pick up with in a minute um feelings of competence you know that that can both be beneficial but also be a bit toxic i suppose but belief that you know you're you're doing the right thing that you can please god or that you can help the community or that you are part of something and people value you and respect you mm-hmm. you know when you go to the hall or the church or the mosque or wherever you are people recognize you and they they value you 
that makes you feel worth something. It makes you feel valued. So I can see how religions that are not toxic can do that for you. Yeah. Um, but there are religions and beliefs and cults that um, are toxic that don't do that for you. So I think that's that's really important to be able to differentiate between those two. No, I think I think that is true because um, we don't want people to run away with the idea that okay, well, to um, live long and happy, I need to join a religion no matter what because that's not that's right. It's got to be a yeah. It's not the religion, really. It's not the beliefs. Um, no. It now the the question about being related to something higher. I think that's a that's a very interesting question. And yeah, does that something make you that, feel good? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So is is a lack of um a belief in the divine or in the supernatural mm-hmm. does that damage our levels of happiness you know are we missing out i suppose are you and me missing out in that yeah. we don't have that we haven't got this connection mm-hmm. to the divine so some people would say yes yeah what about you what do you think i don't i don't, I don't think so um i don't know because again it's, it's it's in um it's in contrast to the the A of the ABC. So for me, mm. the, the the thing that I can understand why it might bring someone calm is that you can say it's out of my hands and you can just be like, you know, as someone that worries, I'm a worrier, I'm an anxious person by nature, working on it. Um, you know, <laughs> I can understand the allure of being able to be like, it's out of my hands. I can't deal with it. Mm. God will deal with it in whatever way he sees fit. And I can understand how that would be, you know, you'd, you would want that. But also, I just don't believe it. So it's not, it doesn't bring me any yeah. of that comfort that it will be okay and it will all be all right. Because I just don't think that. Mm. And I think I have agency to do what I can to make it be all right and be okay. Mm. And that's as far as I think it goes. And then being able to let it go and be like, I've done everything I can do and that's it now is as, yeah. is, as, is, as, is as much contentedness as I can expect. Yeah. I think, I think the way I, cause I've thought about this a lot over the years. Yeah. Um, since leaving Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, yeah. Which, Did you let go your as, as chance at contentedness? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was never content. Um, I too was anxious. So yeah. there you go. That's my gift to you. <laughs> um <laughs> but um i i so it wasn't i didn't feel that i've lost that i don't feel that i've lost some some contentedness because i i had a relationship with god yeah. i never felt that but some do i think mm. um certainly some religious people um claim that and i don't mm. disbelieve them um I think what the spiritual, so I think we're getting into spirituality here. Um, I think the spiritual side of me, um, when I look up at at the stars at night, you know, sometimes I will go out into the cold and just look up at the Mm -hmm. stars and just, I'm just absolutely in awe at that. Um, I look at that and I just think, um, I don't understand the meaning and purpose of life. Mm-hmm. or indeed everything um and that that is that is quite in a way that in itself is very is a very spiritual feeling mm. um and i just think that we don't have all the answers you know we don't we, we can explain the physical um phenomena that is the universe to some degree and we, there's still a lot to learn um but as a human race we're incredibly tenacious at trying to find those things out and, and we are finding those things out um but there'll always be mysteries and mm. you know how long how big is the universe is it infinite um where did it come from and why is there something rather than nothing all of these reasons for god that that some people bring out it, it's a reason to say that there's mystery yeah. And that's that's amazing, um, and the fact that we don't know that means that it could there could be loads and loads of answers to that, some of which we'll never be able to understand. Mm-hmm. But I think that's in itself interesting, and I, I do take a kind of comfort 
from the fact that you know there's all this universe out there and there may be life um on other planets i think it's very likely but even if there are whether there are or not we are still amazing in that mm. we are these this sort of physical manifestation of chemistry and physics that in some way has become conscious and thinks about these things and i think that is amazing i think that is amazing it's the way it's a way that a physical thing like the universe can start to explore itself Mm -hmm. because we are part of the universe and we are explaining we are we are understanding itself and i think that's that is amazing so that that fulfills a bit of my spiritual need and mm-hmm. trying to understand that as as much as i can i i'm not a physicist but you know just listening to 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 the research and and trying to understand it i just find that absolutely inspiring and fascinating so i think there's a bit of that as well that is needed in in life so I don't consider myself a spiritual person, but I think there is a need to think about those bigger questions. And it's yeah. that's part of maybe what we miss as um, well. Mm-hmm. If we have a purely um, material sort of mm-hmm. view of the world. Mm. That's interesting. I mean, I think another reason I realized why I wanted to talk about this was because I just read a book called Transcendent Kingdom. And she's a, She's a scientist, she's a neuroscientist, mm. um, but also comes from a background of being in like a very um, religious group that she leaves. And she's, um, right. you know, the sort of like um, deep south talking in tongues um, oh. kind of thing. And it was very interesting because, yeah, it's, it's um, she clearly doesn't believe in God, but she, there is this, um, I suppose, missing of... Um, even though it was it was a wrathful god, but missing of a simpler time kind of thing where questions had answers and <laughs> and, mm. and all that sort of thing. So I can understand as well the, the peace that that would bring and then yeah, the lack of peace when you realise not all questions have answers. <laughs> but I guess for you as well yeah. though, you find you, it's different for different people, isn't it? You're finding peace in looking at the sky and being like, We don't know everything and that's peaceful for you. So it's how are you yeah, engaging with that part of yourself, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. I think, you know, that is the thing. It's it's allowing yourself to, uh, I guess, you know, again, we're back to individual differences, but not everybody possibly needs that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think some of us do. And just grappling with with some of those mysteries is just, um, mm-hmm. it is for me, it's it's as close to religion as, as I get yeah. in terms of that spiritual experience, yeah. you know. I don't religiously cling to a particular dogma or doctrine, um, but I do. I do think that that is the closest I get to a spiritual experience is when I look up at the sky and see those see, thousands of points of light. It's amazing. See, one one thing that's interesting with this conversation is I realise I feel like I'm more atheist than you, but not in a like. Not in like a, like in the sense that I just don't feel any spiritual connection mm. at all. I just feel like mm. I don't have, sp- I don't have a little. Um, if everything's got charge bars, you know, I feel like I just don't have any. <laughs> there's nothing attributed to it. I'm just there, like, mm. just um, I look at the sky and I'll think that like, oh, it's beautiful and lovely. And then I'll just not, you know, think in just yeah. don't get that, or I just I don't, you know, or some people will see. Um, like a feather or a robin or whatever, you know, mm. and they're like, oh, that's probably like grandma. I just, I, that would never. That's a different come thing, though, me. isn't it? That, that, oh, yeah, I know, but, but all these, think, all these different ways that people engage with spirituality yeah. in a very mm. personal way to them. I just, I, I'm like, do I don't think I ever do. I never feel that, but maybe that's what, you know, it comes. You know, I, I, I never had a well of spirituality to run dry to then want to refill if you know what i mean i didn't grow up with with that i don't know but i i you know i would suggest that um that your mum's quite like that as well so i yeah. don't you know uh, obviously i'd leave her to talk speak for yeah. herself but um she doesn't sort of have those same reactions mm. as as i do so yeah i think again i think it comes down to this individual differences yeah elements of it um that's just one part what brings that that's just one part of 
Yeah, exactly. So um, if you don't if you don't have those feelings, then I don't think that's a problem. No. That's just I'm not going to die um, young. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I won't live to a no, hundred because I just didn't feel connected to the stars. God damn it! <laughs> exactly. So uh, we're, we're coming to the the hour really. So we're probably getting yeah. to the end of the conversation. But I just oh, wanted, you know, before we do finish, I just want to, I suppose, the other thing that I did think about, and I want maybe we'll talk about this again another time. But truth, um, truth matters to me. Mm. Um, truth claims matter. So that is the reason I left Jehovah's Witnesses is because I realised it wasn't true. Yeah. Um, a particular irony because people call it the truth yes. within the organisation. <laughs> it is incredibly um, bullshit, but yes. <laughs> yeah, it is a big claim there. But um, I realised it wasn't true and there were too many things about it that were completely not true mm-hmm. um, without getting into them now. And that was what actually started me on my road to leaving. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't It wasn't a lack of brotherly love or falling out with the organization or being offended by something. It wasn't the restrictions. It wasn't any of those things. It I can look back true. now and say, you know, those are problems. But that wasn't why I left. It was because it wasn't true. I knew that the things I was being told that were true were not um and as we we've not mentioned this yet on the podcast but we're in 2024 now Mm -hmm. which is 110 years since 1914 when jesus was supposed to have taken kingdom power Mm -hmm. and this generation would by no means pass away until all these things occurred which meant that before the end of before people that saw 1914 uh, before they died off we would see the the end of this wicked system of things and the new world, um, and they're all dead now. Yeah, um, they they'd be obviously 110 years since 1914 for them to even be conscious, sort of alive and conscious of that. They'd have to be at least 10. So you're talking about 120. Somebody would have to be 120 now to um, remember those times. It's done. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is the nail, the final nail in that coffin. But um, that was the reason that I left. And so it matters to me. So I cannot belong to an organization or a church or a belief system that claims some truth claims um, just for the benefits of community and um whatever else I get mm-hmm. out of that psychologically. Yeah. I can't do it. I just can't do it. It has to, they, the claims they make have to be true. Um, it doesn't mean that any group can know everything, but when you make dogmatic claims, then if they're not true, then I'm not interested. That's, mm-hmm. that's my, that, and that I think is important. You know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of nonsense ideas, a lot of okay. things that are claimed, but so whilst I, I absolutely respect everybody's right to believe whatever they want to, um, and I would support people having the right to believe so long as they don't hurt others. Um, it doesn't mean that I also don't have a right to call it out and say it's not true. Mm-hmm. Show me the evidence. Give me the reasons why this is true. If you can't do that, then I'm not going to accept it and I'm going to uh, criticize it in a respectful way. So that's that I think is really important. So, okay, religion, Some there might be elements of it that actually make people happy great as you said let's let's take those and apply them to um settings where you're not making false claims about the world because mm-hmm. um, that matters to me yeah it's not it's not going to make you happy is it <laughs> no because i'll always be knowing that no that that isn't actually the case that isn't actually true so mm-hmm. um maybe you know maybe people are different but that's um, for me that is the the, the very first um, hurdle that any any religion or belief system has to get over is is what they say about the world true and if it's demonstrably not then um for me that's that's Tapping the end time. i need to move on <laughs> exactly yeah and there's a lot of stuff that you see on the internet a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. ex-members put out there oh what about this and what about that my big question is where's the evidence for it mm. if there's no evidence for it i'm not interested in it yeah it's fair it's fair 
<laughs> I think um yeah, I'm I'm being careful with my well I've reduced my Instagram scrollable time. Um, because I realised I wasn't gaining anything from it. <laughs> I've been reading more, which is great. Um, yeah, because yeah. yeah, you know, there's a lot of claims flung from here to there on that platform because it's just a quick, however long video, mm. being like, and this particular, and this thing, if you eat this, you'll die tomorrow. And this, if you, <laughs> you need to do this so that you can, you know, be the perfect person. And if you do this, you'll have this way of, you know, whatever. I'm just like, okay. I'm gonna go. Re- I'm gonna go read a modern classic. I'm gonna go read White Sagasso C and see if that improves me better. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. Cool. Right. Okay. I think we're we're done there. So yeah, thank you for so. that. Yeah. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just something. It just came up. It was a very small part of the doc, but it got my back up a little bit, and I wanted to discuss it. So. Yeah, well, I think we've we've unpacked that pretty yeah. well. Good. Awesome. All right. Well, um, thank you for listening, everybody. So uh, don't forget to subscribe if you're on those platforms that you need yeah, to, or yeah. follow whatever the whatever the thing is. Yeah, share with community. other people. That's don't really ha- important. Don't, don't want us to have a community. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you very much. See Bye. you next time. Bye for now.